Good morning, everyone. Hope you have a wonderful day. We continue. Today's class is dedicated to Four Shlemad of Nachman Yichavet Shifra and Peril Bas Miriam. And we are learning by divine providence during the three weeks, three weeks of national mourning. We're learning about the whole episode of Tishabav, the destruction of the Beis Amigdash. We left off, we're in the top in the fifth chapter, page 57a on the top, the third line from the top. So yesterday we started learning that the uh, Unculus Ben Kleinimus, Ben Kleinikus, the nephew of Titus, the Emperor, Emperor Titus, was interested in converting. So he asked, he, uh, his uncle already died, and uh, so he uh, went to a psychic and he summoned his uh, soul and spoke to him. And he said, should I, he says, are the Jewish people prominent in heaven? He says, absolutely. Should I convert? He says, ah, too many rules, too many regulations, too many laws, don't bother. And he says, and then he told them how he's judged every day. Then, with the third line, also ask So then he summoned the soul of Bilam through Benigida. Necromancy, but you know, talking to those who talk to the dead. Who is precious and valuable? Who is considered valuable in the up in the world up there? Because in this world, the Jews are downtrodden, persecuted, humiliated, denigrated. But in the upper world, in the true world, are the Jewish people prominent? All the Jewish people are the most prominent. Says Malid Bukabur. Should I should I convert? Should I connect with them? An anti-Semite remains an anti-Semite even after life. A vicious anti-Semite remains a vicious anti-Semite. He says, don't speak peace, don't, or try to, their, their benefit all their days. He used, hatred works two ways. He used the verse that says about the Jewish people should not seek the peace of Moab because, because of what the Moabites did, that they caused them to sin with the, with the promiscuity, with the non-Jewish women, with the shikses. So he used that verse, reverse, don't, don't seek their peace. Don't, don't make peace with them. Hate them. Don't the angels have a problem with the Jewish people. Anti-Semitism is not just... Everyone has a problem with the Jewish people. Anti-Semitism is even in heaven. When Moshe, Hashem gave the Torah to Moshe, who resisted? The angels resisted. No one understands the Jew. No one understands Hashem. No one understands the Jew. We are the odd man out. We don't fit in the universe. Just like Hashem is beyond, transcends the universe, the Jewish people don't fit in the universe. The angels don't get us. The Goyim don't get us. They don't understand us. We don't make sense to them. Nothing about the Jew makes sense to them. It doesn't fit into their whole... Because we transcend... Just like Hashem transcends the universe, the Jew also is not really part of it. That's why we are the odd man out. We are the foreigner. We are, we are the outsider. Because we, we don't fit in. We are different. We are the anomaly. I know we are different, but... Um... We are not normal. <laughs> Everything in the universe lives and dies. As Mark Twain pointed out, there's one exception, the Jew. We, we don't fit into the whole structure of the universe. There's something about us that's just different. Okay. He says, what's your punishment up there? With semen that's boiled. They boil semen and they boil because that was his... He, that's Bilam the prophet, the great spiritual giant, was a completely lewd, immoral, amoral... He's the one who instigated, he says, God hates promiscuity, 
and and he got all the Jews to become promiscuous successfully, unfortunately, many Jews, and that's why he, that's why, that was that's his punishment. He's boiling boiling semen. So then he summoned, he raised the sinners of Israel. The sinners of Israel means Yoshke, JC, Yoshke Pendrick. Amalei Machoshebu Alma, who's prominent in the world to come, Amalei Israel, the Jewish people. Malib Dukibai, should I connect with them? Amalei Tevazim Deroish, you should always seek their good. Don't seek their bad. A Jew is a Jew is a Jew. Even though this Jew caused so much harm, from his grave he's still influencing two billion Goyim. And in his name they persecuted and burnt alive and killed and murdered and massacred and exiled. The whole foundation of the ghetto started with the church. He brought so much sorrow and tragedy and hatred on the Jewish people. You can imagine what an evil person he is. What evil he represents. But at the end of the day, as Jews, the Jews, the Jews. He's telling them in the world of truth, of course you should connect with the Jewish people. The Jewish people are wonderful. Always seek their good and never ever speak bad about them. If you start up with the Jews, you're starting up with the apple of Hashem's eye. You start up with the Jews, you hate the Jew, you hate Hashem. Don't be fooled by all these ministers and religious and gurus and spiritual leaders like Bilam, who was a spiritual giant, the greatest non-Jewish prophet that ever lived, the equivalent of Moshe, and yet he was evil, he was an anti-Semite. Don't be taken in. We had a president who was a minister, and he was one of the most vicious anti-Semites we ever had. He still is. He still is, right. Don't, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Don't be taken in just because a person is cloth, a person is spiritual, Anti-Semitism comes in all forms and shapes. If you start up, if you hate the Jew, Hashem is saying you hate me. This paragraph. So, what's your punishment in the next world? Because until Mashiach comes, until the Goyim will all come to the truth of Judaism and the truth of the seven righteous laws, the seven Noahide laws, they will come righteous Gentiles. When Christianity will come to an end, as long as they're you have these falsehoods in the name of a Jew, the Jew suffers. He's suffering. So what's your punishment every day? In boiling excrement. Every day he gets boiled again in boiling excrement. The master says, Whoever laughs at the words of the the wise ones, Nidim Sachas is judged with boiling excrement. And he mocked the words of the sages. So it's like measure for measure. He despised the words of the sages. He's also punished with something despicable. So your mother concludes, At the end of the day, look at the difference between a Jew and a non-Jew. A self-hating Jew versus a non-Jew. Or a Jew and a non-Jew. He says, non-Jew, look at the end of the day, even in the world to come, they're still continuing with their anti-Semitism. Even they're being punished. They can't let go of their anti-Semitism. Versus a Jew, at the end of the day, when he's in the world of truth, he's being punished, but he recognizes the truth. And he says the Jews are special. Even though he fought all his life against the Jewish people, dedicated his whole life, and is bringing ruin and destruction to Jewish people till today. But nevertheless, at the end of the day, he knows the truth. Tanya,
come and see, come again. Look, Koychos Shabush, the power of shame. The power if you shame someone, you embarrass someone, you humiliate someone in public. So Hashem helped Barkamsa. He was able to do what he would do. And he destroyed this temple. He burnt down his own house. Only because he was shamed in public. Power of shame. You have to be so careful. You have to be so sensitive. Not like what's going on today. People bully people. Cancel people, denigrate, humiliate, destroy their name, their reputation, shame, shaming them. You have to be so careful and so sensitive how you treat another human being. The says, I continue. started out that the basic this was destroyed because of comes bar comes, and because of a chicken and a hen. Tur Malka, this is this neighborhood in Yerushalayim, was destroyed. What happened? There was a custom. When they used to, when the chasen and the kala, the bride and groom, would go out to get married to, to, to the wedding wedding ceremony, they would bring a rooster and a hen in front of them, as if to say, "We should be fruitful and multiply like hens." It says Hashem blessed during the sixth day of creation. Where did Hashem give the blessing to be fruitful and multiply? Fish and birds. It was in the fifth day on Thursday. Thursday Hashem created fish and birds, and that's when Hashem says He gave a blessing should be fruitful and multiply. So fish and birds um, multiply a lot, and that's why. And they chose. Why did they choose the rooster and the hen? Because the word in Hebrew. Or the word in Aramaic for, for, for a rooster, for gever, also means man. So it's a play on words. So you t- you, that, that, that's why they could have been any bird. But they chose this because gever. So what happened? What's wrong? Yemechad, one day, a band of Romans passed by when such a ceremony was taking place. They got hungry. Time for supper. So they took the rooster and the hen. The people fell on them and smote them. They got so angry. They got so angry because they thought, again, they're going after the Jewish family. Here we're trying to build a Jewish home, a Jewish family. And the, and the first thing the enemies go is to try to destroy the family, like what's going on here today. It's a, it's a, a planned assault on the family. So they felt the sanctity of the family. This is the atom of creation. This is the whole foundation of civilization, of society. They, 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 they got so angry that they went and they, uh, they, they, they killed him, not realizing the consequences. Remember, he started out, you always have to think about the consequences of your actions. Also, in the case they told, reported them to the Caesar. The Jews are rebelling against you. Of course, it wasn't true. They just incensed the crowd because of what they'd done. It was something very specific and isolated and located and local. But also Eliyahu, he took it. No, they're trying to rebel against you. Also Eliyahu, he came and he destroyed them. Amongst the Jews, there was a certain man from the south. He would jump a mill. A mill is 3,000 feet. A little more than a half a mile, but Kotel Bahu, and he killed him. He was so powerful, single-handedly, he was able to smite smite the enemy. 
Caesar took off his crown and put it on the ground. Ahmad, he said in prayer, Master of the universe. Even a guy knows in a moment of truth, there are no atheists and foxholes. Took his crown off and started praying. If it pleases you. You're going to deliver the mighty Roman Empire in the hands of one Jew. One Jew, one Jew has the power to take down the mighty Roman Empire. All it takes is one Jew, Aleph, to do one single mitzvah to bring down the whole exile, to transform human consciousness. We have to know the power of a Yid. If a Yid has a Koyach in the physically to single-handedly take down the mighty Roman Empire, spiritually, how much more so? Every Jew has the power to take down the whole regime, the whole darkness, the whole chaos and confusion. So he says, please Hashem, it's not nice that the whole Roman Empire should be defeated by one person, by one Jew. Actually, but then this Jew became arrogant and his own mouth was his own downfall. He said, He says, is it not you Hashem who has forsaken us? He quoted the verse in Tillim, Tillim 60. In other words, he said, I'm relying on my own power. Hashem, you've abandoned us. But I, we don't need you. I'm, I have the strength. He's quoting David Amela. He's quoting Tillim. It was good enough for David Amela to say, what's wrong for him to say? She says, David, David was expressing himself in a question. Hashem, did you abandon us? He said it as a fact. Yes, Hashem, you abandoned us. I'm relying on my own strength. So whenever a Jew gets to your head and you think that you're going in your own strength, you think you're something, you're somebody, your whole strength is that you're nobody. The whole strength is that you're, you're egoless and you're completely humble. and That's your whole strength. The moment you think I and I am somebody and I am so clever and I am so smart and I am so brilliant and I am so powerful, uh, then you're really nothing. So what happened? All the basic went to the bathroom. Also, the Arkoina, a snake came, shamtil, the disemboweled him. Noch Nafshini died. Omar Caesar said, Since Hashem made a miracle for me, he answered my prayer. I'll leave the Jews alone this time. He saw Hashem made a miracle for him. At least he's grateful. Okay, Hashem, you answered me. Okay, I'm not going to attack your people. Shafkinov he left. But on the way, the Jews leaped with joy, they ate and they drank. They lit up candles, they, they celebrated. It was, it was unbelievable. Like they retreated, the enemy retreated. It was, they lit it up so well that the, the design of the signet ring was visible a mill away, 3,000 3, feet away. The Jews are celebrating over me that they defeated me. went right back again. It was arrogance. You have to be humble. Hashem makes a miracle, a little humility. Fifing in the streets, arrogant. Ah, no, no, no. If you're going to play the game of arrogance, the Goya is more arrogant than us. If you're coming with ego, the guy has a lot more ego. Than we don't impress the guy with ego. You think you're coming with powerful and mighty and clever and smart. I don't, 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 don't come to a house full of magicians with a little magic. You're coming with ego to ego. We're the kings of ego. But if a Jew comes with humility, he comes with holiness, he comes with godliness, there the, and with emes, there the non-Jew becomes completely nullified before the Jew. Because, uh, 300,000 
sword-wielding soldiers went up to Haram Haram Malach, this neighborhood. And with so many people there that they massacred people for three days and three nights. The other other side of the there was only one side of the mountain. The other side of the mountain they were still celebrating. They didn't even notice. They were saying this, how many people there were. So many people. It says, it says in the book of Lamentations that Hashem, Hashem consumed without pity all the dwellings of Jacob. Rabbi came from to Babylonia. Rabbi Yechon was in Israel. So when he came from the academy of Rabbi Yechon, he taught, This is referring to this verse in Lamentation, referring to the 600,000 towns that King Yane had in Haramela. You know, it's allegorically, or also, don't forget, everything in the world is the symptom of, of, the, of the spiritual. So in the spiritual source, there were so many people. The fact there were so many people tells us there was something special about this place. There were so many people packed into this place. Because spiritually, this place had so many, there's so much energy in this place. So even though you can't manifest something infinite or something finite, but the fact that you have something, something unusual, it's a manifestation of something some, so, so much greater. Like it says, if a Jew goes, if you go beyond your nature, you're serving Hashem. It's like infinite. Even if you go beyond your nature, you're not infinite. But it's an expression of something infinite. The ability to go beyond your nature is a reflection of the infinity of Hashem. The fact that you're able to transcend and break your nature, go against your nature, go beyond your nature, stretch your nature. So too, it doesn't mean literally there were 600,000 cities. It's not possible. It's not humanly possible, physically possible. There's 600,000 cities on one mountain. So it's either like a hyperbole or exaggeration, but in the deeper level, because in, in the spiritual root, this place had an energy of 600,000 cities. It didn't manifest itself physically in 600,000 cities, not humanly possible, but it meant that there was a, so many people beyond concentrated, because they felt there's a special energy here, so it was an expression. It's like when you see a barrel overflowing, it's only a drop, but it tells me that the barrel is overflowing. This little drop signifies something is going on here. You know, it signifies. When you shed a tear, it tells me that it, I can't see your heart. But I know you're feeling sad, you're, you're crying. You know, the symptom tells me, it's the tip of the iceberg that's signifying what's going on beneath the surface. Okay. Each one of these cities had, had, had like 600,000 people in it. And three of the 600,000 cities had double, a million two hundred thousand people. Which are these three exceptions? There were little villages within this, this area. The bad village. Why was it called the bad village? Because they didn't provide a house of lodging. Anyone who was passing by, they didn't offer hospitality. Like the people of Sidoim, they would discourage people, so therefore they were called the bad city. Because their livelihood was from the sale of Kres. Why were called the village of Why were they called? The village of males, because all of their wives first gave birth to boys, and then a girl. 
Upeiskas, and then they would seize the beer children. So they did the mitzvah. So it's a negative attribute. In other words, they did the, the, the mitzvah. We look at children as a blessing. The more, the better. But here, each one had a boy and a girl, and they stopped. We did our, We fulfilled our obligation. No more. So the fact that they had boys first also, because it says if you have a girl first, it's a good sign. It's a good omen to have a daughter before you have a son. That's what it says. Here they, they, they had boys first. They weren't blessed with girls first. Okay, so these are all negative. And they had, but they had double the amount than anyone else. So if it was negative, why, did, why were they blessed with, they, they had double the amount of people? I saw that plays. It can't even hold 600,000 reeds. How can you tell me you can hold 600,000 towns? You're liars. Here you're teaching with 600,000 towns and not a melech. In fact, it's not even large enough to hold 600,000 reeds. Amalekhanina said to him, "Get it, It says in reference to Israel, it's written, it's called the Eretz in in Daniel, the land of the deer. Why is it compared to a deer? Why is Israel compared to a deer? with a deer. After you flay, the skin shrinks, and it's not large enough to cover the body. You can't even stretch it. Here, it covers the whole body of the deer, and then when you flay it and you and you work, it shrinks. How how did this?" Skin, how does this uh, cover the whole body? Yeah, try it. Is that true? Yes, of deer hide yes, yes, hide? yes, deer hide. So, I would say, so it's a stroll. So, when the Jewish people are living there, it expands, it accommodates them. It shrinks, it contracts. They were sitting together. Amri, they said, If anyone has heard something about the residents of Kvashanya, let him speak. They wanted to know if this town was destroyed. They wanted to know if they were righteous or wicked. Pasach had one of them opened his mouth and said, It was an incident where a man and his betrothed wife from that town were captured by adulterers. We see themselves and the captors with them. Umrullah, the wife said to her husband, Please don't touch me. I don't have a silver from you. We're not married. By Jewish law, unless you have a silver, you're not allowed to live together. They lived together, but he didn't touch her until the day of his death. They were never intimate. When he died, Amrlan, she said that all the that eulogized this man. He's such a tzaddik. He's a greater tzaddik than Yosef. He vanquishes his desires more than the test. It's even a greater test than Yosef. Yosef was tested with the wife Petifa for one moment. I call him every single day I live with him and he loved me. We were we betrothed to each other and yet he never touched me. Every single day. Yosef wasn't in one bed with her. Here we slept in one bed, and yet he wasn't intimate with me. Yosef wasn't his wife. His wife wasn't his wife. But Yosef, this is his wife. So you see they were, how righteous they were. The other one said, In that town, there was an incident when the price of 40 it's a It's a measure. It's a measure of a saw. 
So the the uh, forty medias was a dinner. There was deflation. It was only a for one dinner you can get forty medias. That's medias, and then the rate dropped by one media. With a dinner you can buy thirty nine medias in gray. So things are getting so expensive. I'm only getting thirty nine. I should get forty. And they understood correctly if there's a financial problem. Since the imposter came on the show, everything has been going backwards. If there's a financial worry, if the market crashes and inflation, it's because spiritually the country is bankrupt. Something is wrong with the country spiritually. So they immediately did a search, a butku, they searched what's going on. There's something immoral going on amongst, amongst us. And they found Avu They found the father and the son. Cohabited the betrothed night on Yom Kippur. It was a team, a father and son team. <coughs> the father and son team. On Yom Kippur, with a married woman. In, uh, adultery. They brought them to Bezdin and they stoned them. Because if you if if she's betrothed and not married, the penalty is is is, is stoned. If they're married already, it's a different penalty. But only if she's a virgin. So how is it possible? How could you have one man? How could you have two people be stoned for the same? For the same thing. So we'll learn later on. The Gemara and Sahel will explain how is it possible. Because maybe maybe one was anal and one was uh, you know, the regular way. So uh, they were both stoned to death. Immediately the finances, the financial situation corrected itself. Sounds like Noah. Exactly. So you have to realize the financial pain that we're suffering for the last two years. It's not only because of the stupidity and this crooked, distorted foolish policies, financial policies, which is also true. But it's also a result of the immorality. Whenever there's immorality, blatant immorality, like Sodom and Gomorrah that's going on today, it, it affects the pocketbook. It bankrupts you. You can't have blessings and be immoral. You have to be spiritually blessed, and then you'll be financially blessed. Pasach, did the third one. So you see that they were righteous people. Pasach, did the third one. Opened his mouth and said, There was a person from the city who wanted to divorce his wife. But Iksuva was great. He would have to pay her a lot of money. He committed himself. Iksuva itself is not so great, but he committed himself. Also, what did he do? He went and invited his friends. He fed them, gave them to drink, intoxicated them, laid them together with his wife. In other words, he wanted he wanted to claim that she committed adultery and therefore he doesn't have to pay the ksuva. He brought the white of an egg and put it between them. They say, see, there's semen. They committed adultery. And he positioned witnesses, false witnesses, and they came to court. Or maybe they saw. They were mistaken. They saw, oh, they're lying together, they're all drunk, passed out, and they saw what looked like semen. There was an elderly sage there, was a student of Shammai, sharp. His name was and he said to them, This is what I received. 
How can you tell the difference between semen and white of an egg? The white of an egg contracts from exposure to fire. But semen flows away from fire. This guy was in my sugar. When the white of an egg is exposed to fire, it congeals. Just like the egg hardens, right? When you cook an egg, the white it congeals. But the semen, just, just, just exposed to fire, it melts. It melts and seeps away. So they checked it. That it was a white of an egg. They brought this man, this chutzpinyak, who tried to to try to write false witness against full fake news against his wife, and to weasel his way out of paying the ksuva. They beat him. They beat him. He got the flogging that he deserved. He booked Susan and they collected the ksuva from him. A false flag. So since they were so righteous, in other words, they had one one rotten apple there. This husband was a rotten apple, but everyone else there was righteous. My time, uh, why was this city wiped out? They didn't mourn in Yerushalayim. They weren't clamoring for the coming of Mashiach. It didn't bother them that much that the temple was destroyed. As if it says, Gladden Yerushalayim and rejoice with her, all those who loved her, belated with her, all those, all those who mourn for her. As a great, uh, as a godly soul once said, the reason why Germany was attacked with the Crusades, why all the German towns got hit, and Mayence and all these big towns got hit, and they were, the Jews were slaughtered, he says because when the when Ezra after the destruction of the first temple, the Jews ran away all the way to Germany, and they created a community, and they were very settled there and happy there and prosperous. When Ezra came back to Jerusalem, they sent the letter: "Please come home. We're, we're, we're rebuilding the temple. We're coming back home." And they said, "You live in your Jerusalem. We have our little Jerusalem." They refused to go back. They were so happy in Germany. They felt this is my home. They forgot that they're in Golis. When a Jew forgets you're in Golis, you think I'm an American. I'm, uh, you forget, no, we're in exile here. Americans? Times, even in the best of times, even when it's prosperous and it's good, but a Jew always has to remember it's not our home. Most we're citizens, but we're not our home. The Jews remain always have to mourn in Yerushalayim. You have to feel, it's my, I don't feel comfortable. If Hashem is homeless, how can you feel comfortable? There's no base of Migdash. Hashem doesn't feel at home. And you're uh, comfortable? You're at home? Mm-hmm. You've arrived? Okay. Look what it says. Yeah. He says, Because of the incident of the side of a carriage, Beta, the last stronghold, the capital, the, the center of, of, of Bar Kochba's revolt, was destroyed also on Tishba. What happened? Beta had a custom. When a baby boy was born, they would plant a cedar tree. The JNF, they would plant a tree, a cedar tree. You look the shasli to the nasal. When the baby girl was born, they planted a pine tree. When the boy and the girl would marry, they would cut down these two trees, the, the, uh, the cedar tree and the pine tree. They would make a wedding canopy out of these trees, just like they grew. From the, plant, from the seeds, and they grew into a sturdy tree. By the time they got married, 18 years later, 20 years later. So too also, 
Of course, they didn't know which tree, which boy, which girl, but whatever. Each girl had a tree, each boy had a tree, and the two trees, they would cut it down and make a, a wedding canopy. One day, Caesar's daughter was passing by. She was passing through. It was Sakadarizbo, and the side of a carriage broke. So the attendant cut down the cedar tree. Perfect, they had a tree right there. It was planted for one of the boys, and they put it in the place of the broken panel. Again, so the Jews fell upon them and smote them. Now again, they should have thought about the consequences. They got angry because they thought again. They thought the king is mocking. When you want to attack, destroy a civilization, destroy the family. So here to them, the family was sacred, and here you went and tore down the tree so carelessly. So they attacked them without realizing the consequences. Also, in the case, they told the, they told the Roman Caesar, see, the Jews are rebelling. They didn't tell them the whole context, why they were upset, something happened, it was a local incident. No, they're rebelling against us. So Eliyahu came and he destroyed the people of Betar. It says in the Pasuk, it says in Lamentations, that Hashem cut down off in fierce anger, the dignity of Israel. Keren literally means the horn, but it's 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 the dignity of the animal. Also, Keren is, is represents royalty. So this was the seat. Beta was the seat of Bar Kochba, who was like crowned as king. This is a reference to 80,000 division leaders who entered the city of Beta when it was captured. Don't forget, Bar Kokhba almost single handedly took down the Roman Empire. So they, they threw everything at him. And they murdered, they massacred men, women, and children. Until the blood flowed. To the Mediterranean, the Great Sea. You think Beitar is right near, next to the sea? No, is a mill. It was a mill away from the sea. It was three thousand feet away from the sea, and the blood flowed until it reached the Mediterranean. The Great says, the Great the senior student of he said, because there are two rivers in the valley of Yadayim. One river flows one way, the other flows the other way. There was a central point. And then they, they, they diverge, just like the two hands extend from the body, one to the right, one to the left. So they were together, and then they broke into, into the branch off. And the rabbis estimated these rivers became two parts water and one part blood. From the slaying of Betar, a third it, it filled up till it was two thirds water and one third blood. For seven years, they were able to harvest the vineyards. And it was fertilized with the blood. They didn't need any fertilizers. <laughs> they had organic fertilizers. We continue One of the elders told me, In this valley, in this valley, the chief Babylonian executioner slaughtered 211 
Two million and one ten. Ten th- t- times ten thousand. Two million and one hundred and ten thousand people. Massacred almost a million. Nine hundred and forty thousand people on one stone. Until their blood flowed and touched the blood of Scharia the Prophet. The blood touched the blood. It says in in Heshea. The, the simple meaning of the verse is that he's he's rebuking the Jewish people that the blood of one victim mingles with the blood of the other victim. There's murder, there's mayhem, there's lawlessness. But here he's saying it means the blood of all the Jewish people he massacred touched the blood of Zacharias. What's the story? When the wizard Adam found Zacharias' blood boiling and bubbling on the temple floor, he asked the priest, what's going on here? It's unusual. What's this blood bubbling and boiling in the, in the floor? Asked the blood of the sacrifice that was spilled. I said, Was Radnam brought the bloods of various animals to compare the blood? And he says, No, it doesn't resemble it. It's not the blood of an animal. And uh, yeah, this blood is bubbling and that blood is not bubbling. If you tell me the truth, good of your love. If not, I'm going to torture you. I'm going to send you to Gitmo. I'm going to torture you with flesh, with iron combs. Umrilay, the priest said to him, My name, Allah. What can we tell you? We had a prophet. Ben, the Havakatamechla He was actually the 11th in the line. His father was Yayada. He was 11th in the line of the transmission of the whole entire oral title. Not only was he a prophet, he was the head of the Jewish Supreme Court as well. And he used to rebuke us. And we rose up and we murdered him. You know when they murdered him? On Shabbos, on Yom Kippur, in the temple. A prophet, the head of the Jewish Supreme Court, murder on Shabbos, on Yom Kippur, in the temple. Can you imagine? And the reason why, why were they so upset at him? It says later, because they felt that if he's a prophet, it says if the prophet doesn't say his prophecy, it won't be fulfilled. He was saying such dire things that the temple will be destroyed, the Jewish people will be banished and exiled. That even though he would die, a prophet is not allowed to withhold. If Hashem is speaking to you, you have no choice. You must communicate. But he should have sacrificed himself and not speak. Instead of pouring out all these horrible prophecies against the Jewish people. They felt so incensed on them that they murdered him in the base of Mikdash. On Shabbos, on Yom Kippur. Yeah, all of the prophets. But, but the Yimriyah, they didn't kill. They tried. They put him in prison. They, they, they did many things. But here, they actually killed him. was many years later. And for many years, his blood is not rested. His blood is boiling. That's where this lesson comes. The blood is boiling. He says, I'm going to appease him. The Adam said, I'm going to appease him. Isis Sanhedrin, he brought the judges of the great Sanhedrin, the minor Sanhedrin. In the temple, he had three Sanhedrins. He had the great Sanhedrin, the Jewish Supreme Court, and then he had two small Sanhedrins, the 23. Sanhedrin of 23 judges. was at the entrance, of the, the, the minor court, the 23, was at the entrance of the Temple Mount, and was at the entrance of the Temple Courtyard. So Amalu, he said he brought them, he slaughtered them, he massacred them, and he poured their blood on his blood. His blood didn't rest, didn't stop bubbling. 
then he brought youths and maidens, he brought the teenagers and the boys and girls, and he slew them, and again they didn't rest, still didn't rest. Then he brought little children from Cheder, from Yeshiva, and they still didn't rest. And exclaimed to the blood, I exterminated the finest. You want me to destroy every last Jew? That's going to make you happy. As soon as he said this, the blood rested. And how many did he kill? He said already, three million. Over three million Jews. But he shaited at that moment. He repented. If this is the punishment for the Jewish people for, for killing one Jew, for killing Zechariah, look how many Jews died. Three million. Me, I murdered three million Jews. Over three million Jews. Surely, what's my punishment? How will I ever atone? He ran away. He sent a document of instructions to his house. What should be done with all his property? And he converted to Judaism. We learned the Brites. And Naaman was a was a was a a resident convert. He converted to become a righteous Gentile. Vuzratan became a full fledged convert. Even the descendants of Haman taught Torah in Bnei Brak. Gair Toshev is a righteous Gentile. That's Naaman. Buzradin became a Jew. And the gr- grandsons of Haman, this general that murdered three million, he converted. And he says, even from the descendants of Haman also learned Torah in Bnei The grandson of the Mufti in Jerusalem, who was a Nazi, he was an ally with Hitler, he, he, he became a convert. He studied in Yeshiva. The sentence of Sisra to a children in Yerushalayim. The sentence of Sancherev, who, who, who exiled the ten tribes to a Torah in public. Who are they? Shmaya Vavtalian were the leaders of the Jewish people. They taught Torah in public. They were the leaders, the head of the Jewish Supreme Court, and the, they were descendants of Sanchev. Heinrich said, "This is what it says in the pasuk. This is blood. Because I Hashem placed the blood on the smooth surface of rocks, will not be covered, will not be absorbed into the ground." The blood of Zechariah refused to be absorbed in the ground. Mm-hmm. You kill someone, it's absorbed and forgotten. Here, it wasn't forgotten. It kept them bubbling, bubbling for, for, for many years. Hundreds of years. Quite an individual, Zechariah. Oh, yeah. It says in the Pasuk, when Yaakov dressed up like Esau, his father was blind, to get the blessing, so Yaakov said, the voice is the voice of Yaakov, and the hands are the hands of Esau. So he says, ah, coils out the case, the voice referring to the crying of the Jews by the massacres inflicted by Hadrian the case, uh, Caesar. Alexander, so but he slaughtered in Alexander in Egypt, 600,000 plus another 600,000, double the amount of left Egypt, a million two hundred thousand. Kel Yaakov, the voice of Yaakov, is referring to Aspiana's case of Vespasian, the cries of the Jews in the massacre inflicted by Vespasian. 
actually our the real version he says is Hadrian. Beitar was was Hadrian, not Vespasian. Shahorek Beitar, Bekar Beitar, he destroyed, he slaughtered in the city of Beitar, Arba Meir city boy, four million people. Amrila, others say Arba Salaf from Dibu. Some say were forty million. So the hands and hands of Esau, the Malchus of Yisrael, it's referring to the evil government of Rome, the West. Dibu's Beisenu destroyed our our temple. Sarfus Eklinon destroyed our palace. The temple of Iglisonim Artsenu and exiled us from the land. But another interpretation of the pasuk: Akol Kol Yakev is referring to in Luchot Tefilas Shemel Hashem B'mzarosh Yakev. Our voice, the power is in our voice in prayer. There isn't a prayer that's successful where it's not a descendant of Yakov, because that's our power. Whenever we daven, we storm heaven and earth, and we daven, it, it turns, it moves heavens, it moves earth, it moves everything. If you find hands and war and battle and conflict that's successful, surely the hands of Esau. That's he was blessed. He was blessed with the sword. It says, when the tongue is shoyed, you should hide. It says in Job, the contentions of the tongue, you should hide. From the contention of the tongue, you should hide. So shoyed, he refers to as also as a play in words, like shevet, the, the stick. A slanderous tongue is like a rod used, used for beating. Contention, slander you should hide to the story of Bar Kochba. Um, I'm sorry, the story of uh, Bar Kamsa. Because, because, of the, because of the mouth, the contentions of the tongue, the slander of the tongue, and the fighting, and the, the, you know, the insult, insulting of the tongue could lead, run and hide, because it could lead to disaster. It says in the Pasuk, it says in Psalm 137, that we remember, Hashem showed David, how can David and Melech and Psalm write about Bavel? That, that happened 400 years later. Hashem showed him oh, the whole future. He showed him the destruction of the first temple, destruction of the second temple. David is writing as if he is sitting. He sees it all. Hashem showed him the movie. He showed him what's going to happen. How do we know he showed him the second temple? Hashem says, remember Edom. He was talking about Edom, the West, who destroyed Rome, who destroyed the second base of Megillah. He said what says in Psalm, also there, in that same Psalm. Remember Edom, who said, Destroy, destroy its very foundations. Amri lo, the same as we learned the Braise, Maise, but Al's males, he loved him, he loved him, he loved him, he 400 boys and girls, the most gorgeous boys, the most gorgeous girls were taken for immorality, trafficking, human trafficking. He gives you to Rome that we're going to take the, the, the most handsomest and the most gorgeous girls were taken to be to the Rome, to the elites. They realized what's going on. They weren't fools. They realized what purpose they were being taken for. They said, they asked, if we drown ourselves, will we enter the world to come? A Jew is not allowed to commit suicide. 
What should we do? The oldest one amongst them and the wisest one expounded the verse. It says in Psalm 68, Hashem said, from Bashan, I will bring back from the depth of the sea. It says, I will bring back from Bashan, means Hashem will rescue the people from the teeth of the lion. Bashan is an abbreviation, Bain Shane. From the teeth of the lion. Hashem says, Those who jump into the sea and commit suicide, jump into the sea, I will save them. When the girls heard this, they didn't hesitate. This is the right thing to do. This is how Hashem is saving them from the teeth of the lion. They all jumped and fell into the sea. So the boys raised the If girls, a girl being raped, a boy being raped, which is harder, which is, it's much harder than the boys, because the boys are not, you know, boys are not the homosexual. So it's much harder, it's completely unnatural. So if girls, it's natural, so no one wants to be raped, but, the, but the, the intimacy is natural, the sex is natural, nevertheless, they jumped into the sea, they're going to sodomize us, surely we have to jump into the sea, it's completely unnatural. They also jumped into the sea. And in them, the scripture says, David Amela says, in Psalm, in Psalm 42, because of your sake, Hashem, for your sake, for your Torah, for your morality, we get killed all the time and consider the sheep for slaughter. It's very, very uh, poignant what a Jew is saying to Hashem. Hashem, you married us at Sinai. But it was only the betrothal. And we become a full-fledged wife. If we are unfaithful, we, we commit adultery and we get stoned to death. So you, we have all the obligations of marriage from Sinai with none of the privileges. 3,335 years later, Hashem didn't even begin to fulfill His promise, His privilege, His commitment to His wife. The Torah spells out the commitment. He, never, he was never intimate with us, never even kissed us yet, even the first kiss. So we are dying for you. We are being Jewish. And every time you do a mitzvah, says it's an act of Kiddush, Hashem. It's really an act of self-sacrifice. For a Jew to do a mitzvah in today's day and age, in this world, in the physical world, when your ego dictates, go, go have fun, enjoy life. What are you doing? What are you, what are you wasting your life and wasting your time with all of this? You're only doing it only for the sake of Hashem. So it's literally an act of self-sacrifice. We're dying for Hashem. We're depriving ourselves and dying and doing all the right things just for Hashem's sake. So for 3,335 years, we're dying for you, Hashem. It's time maybe to give us our first kiss. Maybe it's time to really consummate the marriage. Don't you think? A Jew has to clamor and, and storm, the Rebbe says. How can a Jew be so calm? The Mashiach will come tomorrow. How could you live with the fact Mashiach didn't come? A Jew should, should storm heaven and earth. How could you rest? It makes no sense. Here, my whole life is dedicated to Hashem. Every day, every moment of the day, I'm learning, I'm davening, I'm doing mitzvahs, I'm running, running here, running there. And Hashem didn't even begin. It's unacceptable. It's not, it's not normal. It's unnatural. Okay, right. This refers to the woman and the seven sons. This happened during the story of Hanukkah. Hannah and the seven sons. They brought her the first son. They brought the Kama, the first son. The Kama, the case before Caesar. And he said to him, okay, That was before the, the Greek. Here the Gemara says it was, it was Caesar's. I guess it was Rome. 
the story of Hanukkah, Hanukkah and the seven sons, I guess it was a similar story, but there was in front of the uh, Greek Greek uh, emperor. Okay. Bow down, worship the idols. The oldest son said to the king, the opening of the Ten Commandments, I am God, you God. I can't bow down to idols. They took him out and they killed him. They brought the second son, the bow down to the idol. It says in the second commandment, you're not allowed to bow down to idols. They took him out and they murdered him. They brought the third son, bow down. Don't forget, the king was sitting here with the whole entourage in his court. And he said to the king, he defied the king. He says, It says in the text, Whoever sacrifices to his son, it says in Parshish Mishpatim. Whoever sacrifices to his son will be destroyed. They took him out and they killed him. They brought the fourth son. He says, uh, The Caesar said, ordered him, commanded him, bow down. He says, says in the Torah, you're not allowed to worship any foreign gods. It says in the book of Exodus, They took out the, 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 the fifth son. Uh, they took him out and killed him. They brought the fifth son. He said, The Caesar ordered him to bow down to the idol. God is one, a Jew is ready to sacrifice his life to affirm God's unity. I'm not bowing down to anyone other than God. They took him out and they killed him. Um, they brought the six on. They said, "Bow down." It says, "We died." Except, you should take the heart. You should know and take the heart that Hashem is God in heaven and earth. There's nothing besides Him. I'm not bowing down to anything other than God. I And they killed him. They brought the young baby, the young son, the youngest. So he answered to them, it says in the passage, at the end of Deuteronomy, you have singled out Hashem to be your God, and Hashem has singled you out to be His people. We already swore to Hashem, we're not going to exchange Him for any other God. We exchange vows. It was a real marriage. We exchanged vows. We vowed to him we're not going to exchange him for anyone else. And he vowed to us he's never going to exchange his chosen people for any other nation. So the Caesar at this point was totally embarrassed and humiliated. Here everyone was shaking in their boots before Caesar. He had all the power and all the might and he had his whole army and these little Jewish kids defied him so publicly. He was so embarrassed, he, he proposed to the youngest one, he said, listen, I'm going to throw my signet ring to the floor down to you. Please do me a favor, just bend it down and pick it up. At least, at least for the PR, it should have the appearance that you listen to me. I got someone to listen to me. Otherwise, you're all humiliating me. No one will know the truth. You and I know the truth. You're not bowing down to the idols. <coughs> Just, just appearance, but appearance is very important. <coughs> so the little boy said to him, this wise little Jewish boy, Oh, woe to you, Caesar, woe to you, Caesar. You don't even hear what you're saying. You're worried about appearance sake? You're worried about the PR, how it looks? So you want me to bow down so at least it should appear that I'm bowing, I'm listening to you. I'm bending and bowing down to the idol. Imagine the honor of Hashem. Why doesn't a Jew bow down to the idol? Why not? It's not really idolatry. Even the guy holding a gun to your head knows you despise him and you despise his idol. Why don't you bow down? It's all appearance. 
Because even for appearance sake, a Jew can't be disconnected from Hashem even for a split second. So a Jew is ready to die for Hashem. They took him out to kill him. Amra, the mother, the mother said to them, Let me at least kiss him before you kill him. She said to him, My children, go tell your father Avram. You bound the sacrifice to one altar. I bound sacrifice seven altars. And you'd never, you never had to kill Yitzchak. It was only a test. I bound and offered on the altar seven of my children, all my children. She couldn't take it. It was too much for her. She jumped off the roof. The mother of her children rejoiced. Of course, they go to the highest place in Ganeid and says even the biggest tzaddikim can't even come near the place where those who die for Kiddush Hashem, who martyr themselves for Hashem's sake, go. And the mother went with them. Because I commit suicide, you're not allowed to go. But again, it wasn't she committed suicide. It was totally beyond her control. It was totally... She just, she just connected with her children, connected with Hashem, and she went straight up to heaven. Another meaning of the verse is, for your sake we were killed all the time, is referring to the bris, the circumcision. That, that, it's also a sense of killing. You know, you're harming yourself. Eight-day-old baby, you're cutting. This is referring to the Torah scholars who demonstrate the laws of ritual slaughters on themselves. In other words, you might accidentally cut, cut his throat when you're dealing with knives, like you were saying yesterday. Every mile, thank God not a mile, but every, every, uh, every shaykhit ends up cutting a finger. He says all, all butchers have uh, missing fingers, missing fingers. Shaykh, it's a dangerous job. You, a whole day you're slicing and dicing. You know, you can, you can end, up, end up cutting yourself. One has to demonstrate anything on himself. But that ritual slaughter. Something else. Don't, don't, don't do a demonstration. Rachel is referring to seras, leprosy. Don't show it on yourself because you may, you may contract it. Don't demonstrate the symptoms, you may contract it. Others say it means that don't open your mouth anything negative. Don't say anything negative about yourself. Or it's something that will imply a misfortune. You have to be careful. If a person opens his mouth, a sudden is going to jump in it, and it could, it can, you can, you can, you can harm yourself. You give an opening to the sudden. Says, referring to the Torah scholars who kill themselves with the words of Torah. They deprive themselves. They don't eat. They don't sleep. They're pushing themselves beyond their limits. A person cannot really, a person cannot really um, sustain Torah unless he's ready to die for it. A person who dies, not physically die, but it means like you, you, you deprive yourself, you uh, neglect your physical, material needs. You can't have both. I'm going to pamper myself and live pampered life and then expect to be a Torah scholar. Be a Torah scholar, you got to sacrifice. You have to put in the hours you're not eating as well, you're not sleeping as much. To be continued, everyone have a wonderful...